0: lovely listeners. I'm Sarah Covermore from Homegrown Learning and today's podcast looks at potentially why there is a rise in the number of children being home educated but also a rise in the number of teachers and leaders leaving the profession. The reason for this podcast is to help people realise that even teachers within the system don't feel that the system is right for the pupils. So when asked where do you see yourself in five years time, 40% 40% of UK teachers surveyed by a teaching union said no longer working in education. Teachers go into the profession because they're passionate about making a difference for young people, but they leave because the pressure on the profession doesn't necessarily allow for this to happen. So I left the profession just over two years ago, having taught for 20 years, nine of which well, I was a head teacher. And I left the profession for many reasons, some of which I'm going to outline here. But really, um, the, the the difference for me in that last nine years of being a head was immense. And um, when I first became a head teacher, it was so exciting. We were talking about children learning outside and do we need to have chairs and tables in classrooms? What could it look like? I had neutralized my whole school and taken away all those ghastly primary colors and created a more home environment. And then as well, particularly in the last four years of being a head teacher, when the curriculum changed um, and the pressure for um, getting better results became harder to achieve, my passions just started to slip away. I think when you talk to teachers about what teaching is like, I think in the last kind of five to six years, the profession has changed massively. In 2014 and 15, the UK curriculum changed and the bar was raised by nearly two years and schools had to try and catch up the children with the data to match those expectations. For me, this was definitely a point when it started to go downhill. There was panic from teachers. Pupils were taking home more homework. Um, Governors were calling meetings to um, look at radical ways that we could try and increase data. And it just became things were being crammed in. There was less time for like that deep learning, but more expectation actually for children to learn at a greater depth. Um, In my opinion, you know, I just started to see more and more children sitting at desks and that really doesn't suit all children and was really something I was quite passionate about um, particularly young children with behavioural or, or additional needs they therefore they start to play up and be a bit disruptive and warning after warning and then suddenly they're out I've spoken to quite a few families home educating families recently that have actually had negotiated exclusions and that's where the school have suggested that they take their child out of school, otherwise they will be excluded, that kind of threat. And things like this are going on, and we're, we we don't know about them. Um, and the numbers don't necessarily match actually what is happening. In fact, persistent disruptive behaviour saw the number of children entering pupil referral units, or you might have heard them as PRU's. Um, Double since 2011. There were actually 42 children... ...under the age of 5 being taught in Prus, ...and 28 children under the age of 2. And in fact... um, ...children with special educational needs... ...are actually six times more likely to be excluded. And really, in my opinion... ...this increase, this drive of the numbers of children... ...in these situations is purely because the curriculum is too crammed. It is, is too high expectation. And actually, large parts of the curriculum are archaic. You know, they haven't changed in a long, long time. Um, children are struggling to sit still. Teachers are struggling to have patience with children who can't sit still. And therefore, this is where the, you know, in my opinion, this, this data has come from. The thing that makes me actually, well, the hairs go up on my arms really is when I think about this and I think about the fact that mental health in young people has doubled in the past two years. You know, you hear on the other other side of it, the government saying, but it's okay because we're going to put in more money to help with this. We're going to bring in more referral pathways and things like that. But actually it makes me so mad because if they actually just address the issue, the issues that... You know, we're expecting too much from these young people, the pressure they're under, the lack of time in school to support social, emotional and mental issues. You know, children are not meant from the age of five to be sat at desks. Um, When I was in school, I set up a nursery um, which was attached to the school. And um, it was one of the best things that I did because it it felt to me like this beautiful continuous pathway for children that was familiar and safe um but when I had the last um Ofsted I could not believe that the Ofsted inspector asked me while I was showing him around the nursery how many children could hold a pencil and how many children could count to five and that actually in reality was all he was interested in um the the most beautiful moment for me in the nursery was when the children all 16 of them sat round a table with china plates glass cups and they sat and they ate their lunch together and and they talked to each other in in a calm and like really organic way um but the ofsted inspector wasn't interested in that so i started to really lose trust of the system and what it was about And it all started to really slip for me. But I think also I watched staff get more and more stressed as I was forced to um, be giving them performance management targets that were about achieving data that was better than last year, regardless of the cohort, the children. When we actually knew, for example, two children might have joined last year from another school or might have had really tricky emotional um years and you know that when children are suffering with mental health issues they're not learning they're not in the right place to be able to be pushed um and actually the most important thing is actually that they are able to address those mental health issues so yeah the pressure was on staff it was on children um And none of that was about, you know, children's starting points or all those kind of life things that happen. Um, I know schools not being able to reach those levels were getting put into multi-academy trusts. And I kind of jump-shipped, took took our school into a multi-academy because of that fear of that actually my passions weren't about about the data and that actually if my passions weren't about the data and they were about the bigger broader curriculum um was my data going to slip and I didn't want to be in a position where we were forced to go with a multi Academy so we chose one um and I definitely think they were the best of the bunch but actually as time went on even that the the personal approach started kind of just slowly being stripped away and yeah schools are just being run like businesses which has its place you know there are certain aspects of school that definitely need to be run like businesses in terms of like ordering resources and sharing compliance but not for knowing what's best for the children and families within that area the same old one-size-fits-all model just in my opinion doesn't work um but the family run community school stands a much better chance of being able to support families and help young people to grow in comparison to these sort of big establishments that are being created and I also think the motivation um, is being lost as we are joining these sort of massive establishments the personal touches the the the, the sort of level of care and empathy with one another about staff and their families and like what happens in life um so that all started to also have an impact on how I felt about working in the system everyone always thinks that you know teachers have these wonderful holidays but in reality many of them spend a lot of time recovering um maybe being ill during those holidays their bodies just can't cope with like the constant pressure that's on them or they are busy preparing for the next term, you know, um, worrying about whether they're going to be able to achieve what they should have achieved this year. Um, I certainly felt like my mind could rarely switch off, you know, even when I was in those really beautiful family moments at weekends and things. And I was had that kind of well, it felt like a fake smile because actually in the back of my mind, I was thinking about what I needed to get ready for staff on Monday or You know, I never felt like I could switch off from that fight or flight mode. And one of the reasons that I did leave was also just to get a more balanced, consistent pace of life where you could breathe more steadily instead of like this yo-yo fight or flight shortness of breath. It's just it's just madness. It's just not the way we should be operating Um, and and definitely is not going to leave, lead healthy lifestyles. Um I do really passionately believe that the impact of what is expected from children is also crazy. I can't believe the amount of children that I see when I take my children to um, external groups like gymnastics or ballet. I saw this little frazzled six-year-old the other day being forced to read by her parent while she was uh, waiting to go into a ballet class. But it was because they needed to do that because when they got home, it would be dinner, bath and bed. And you know, it it was it was taking the love out of reading. I was just sitting there looking at their poor little faces and thinking, you know, that was their homework. She needed to get it done. You know, mum was trying to do her best. Um, little girl was just exhausted. But it 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 makes me wonder, how, you know, what it's going to be like with this sort of forced learning um, on children. So. Um, Yes, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I also felt really passionately in school about that children shouldn't, shouldn't be doing homework. I actually felt that children were going to school to learn and actually when they got home, it should be about um, dialogue with parents, it should be about playing games, it should be about sharing passions for the things that they're, they're learning outside of school and in, inside school and just really enjoying time um, together. I became increasingly under pressure to start giving children homework and and actually when it came to um sort of leading up to Ofsted, you know, that kind of fear of like, well, are they gonna say, Well, your data's not quite high enough, but is that because you're not giving them homework? You know, those kind of things I felt less confident to um Even though I felt really passionately about them, I I knew that that I wasn't going to perhaps be producing this outstanding data that they were looking for. It also put a lot of pressure on parents who sometimes didn't understand what, what was being expected of the way that they were being taught. You know, so actually you can see and you hear parents all the time saying, you know... I argued with my child last night. They wouldn't do their homework. He said I I wasn't to help him and you know it just creates this whole um feeling of unrest and I'm definitely not saying that homework doesn't have a place but I also feel that it's teaching children that you know you do your work in the day and then you go home and you do more. Like is that why as a society we feel that you know we should be working all the time? Um it's it's in my view it's really it's not healthy um but i did used to tell people when they came round to to look at the the school prospective parents that you know we that we don't do homework and um that our passions here are sustainable living physical activity outdoor learning play-based learning cooking performing arts learning to just be with one another and talk about how we feel um and I knew that by doing these things that we would fall fall behind in terms of data and not perhaps give the results that was that were needed. But I really um, I really felt that actually as as those children that went through that kind of system were older, if you could compare their sort of um, life in terms of their creativity, their ability to come up with new in innovative um, products and ideas and um their ability to be happy. I felt like it would be, you know, a really a really strong measure. So, I would say to parents, like that's what we're about. But you know, you could see that you know parents are quite fearful of that. And I did used to tell parents to make sure that they think about what it is they want their children to be doing, and actually to make sure they go and visit a lot of schools because the the variation in schools is is, is huge. Um, so I think the other thing about people leaving the system is just that ridiculous workload um you know the expectations that I can remember getting home from work I'd I'd have just picked up my two young children I'd be in the kitchen I'd have my laptop on one end of the kitchen and be doing emails in between doing cooking their dinner and I'd you know, the children would be sort of at my feet trying to ask me things and I just feel so stressed and it's, it's not a way to be, but that was the only time for me to catch up on emails because the days felt so busy and, and fraught with, with, um, just doing the general job that that's kind of what life felt like. Um, so I think, there are many reasons why professionals are leaving the system um and I think it is the same for why people are choosing to home educate and I hope that this podcast kind of shares that and I hope it also helps people who maybe aren't sure about educating or or are getting a hard time from family or um or or friends to actually share the fact that that something in the system needs to change and uh, um, yeah I just I I hope it helps you I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with with a really beautiful quote um, from John Holt um, and he says that since we can't know what knowledge will be most needed in the future it is senseless trying to teach it in advance Instead, we should try to turn out people who love learning so much and learn so well that they will be able to learn whatever needs to be learned. Um, So I hope this podcast has helped you. If you have any more questions or anything that you want answered, do feel free to email in. But until next time, lovely listeners, feel good that you are trying to provide your young people with a far less stressful learning experience. Keep calm and take everything one step at a time.